0: If you're new to the church, we have been making our way through the book of Acts since the first of the year and uh, plan to finish this series of sermons before the year ends. As I was reading through chapter 19, just trying to uh, figure out exactly what to say to you today from that chapter, it seemed to me that there were so many different directions that I could go with this particular sermon. But the direction that he was leading me in was simply this. I see in chapter 19 of Acts a formula for the whole world to hear the gospel. Now, before we get to that formula, I wonder how concerned are we that the whole world hear the gospel? Now, is that something that is on our heart? Is that something that is on our mind? That the world would hear the gospel. I guess it was two or three weeks ago, I was sitting in the hospital waiting room as uh, Chet Bauer was having surgery. I was talking to Chet and Linda's daughter, Belinda, at that time. Many of you know Belinda, she grew up in our church She married Nathan Smith, who was from Pittsburgh, and they now work for Show Me Christian Youth Home. And in our conversation, Belinda was telling me about a time that she and her son, Ethan, were talking with each other. Ethan, at the time, was eight years old. He had been reading a book about the life of David Livingston. If you know of David David Livingston, he was a great, great missionary who took the message of Jesus to the people in Africa. And in this book that Ethan was reading, it was telling about the hardships that he faced. The life-threatening situations that he faced. And yet, too, it talked about the whole tribes of, of people there in Africa who were coming to know Jesus... Through Livingston's witness. And Ethan said to his mom, I think I could do that. And she said, you think you could do what? He said, I think I could take the message of Jesus to another country. (laughs) She said that to me and I thought, My, that is amazing. That an eight-year-old kid could be thinking and talking in that way. I wonder, do we have it on our mind that Jesus wants us to take the gospel message to the whole world? Or, Or maybe I could say it this way too. Do we have it on our mind that Jesus wants us to take the gospel message to our world? to our neighborhood, to our town in which we live. We need to take the message to the world, yes. But we also need to take the message of Jesus to our world, to those people whom we love and care for, to those people whom we work with, to those people whom we go to school with. Jesus wants us to take the message of the good news of the gospel to our world, and may we realize that those people whom we are around, so often those people whom we love and care for, if they don't have Jesus as Savior, then they are destined to an eternity without Him. Do we think about that? That those ones whom we love, if they don't have Jesus in their heart and in their life, They're going to go to hell. And so we must give to them Jesus. Before I give to you the formula that I see in Acts chapter 19, maybe I should just remind all of us of what Jesus had to say to us about taking the gospel message to the world. Chapter 28 of Matthew, verses 18 to 20. It's, it's a familiar passage to us if we've grown up in the church, particularly. It says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Please note that Jesus commissioned His disciples to go to the world with the good news. And he said, I will be with you. He did not send his disciples out in their own strength. He sent them out saying, I will be with you. I will give to you the strength that you need. Somebody might say, well, he's talking to his disciples there. He's not talking to us. He's not uh, commissioning us to go to the world. He's commissioning his disciples to go to the world. Might I remind you that he he said to them, the things that I have taught you, you turn around and teach others. So indeed he has commissioned us. To go to the world and just as he said to his disciples I will be with you so too he's promising that to us that he will be with us. The great commission is repeated in Mark's gospel it says go into portions of the world and preach the gospel to those people who are just like you. Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. It says go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. The message is crystal clear if we will read it. Acts 1.8, Jesus said to His disciples, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. Hear this, my brothers and sisters. What was important to Jesus then is important to Him still today. He wants His followers to go everywhere, to every corner of the earth, With the good news. He wants you and me to be his witnesses. And from that passage in Acts, I think that we could build a case that he wants us to start in our own hometown. He says to his disciples, First in Jerusalem. Which is where they were at. That's where they were when he said this to them. And then he said, and to Judea and Samaria. And so he's from Jerusalem, from their own hometown. He's spreading the perimeter of the gospel to Judea and to Samaria. And then he says, to the remotest parts of the world. It's a little unrealistic for us to think about sharing Christ on the other side of the world if we're not willing to share Him with those across the backyard fence from us or those whom we sit with at the break room table or in the classroom. He wants us to take the message of the good news of the gospel, the message of Jesus, He wants us to take it to our world. And so what's it going to take? Let me give to you this formula that I see in Acts chapter 19. If indeed we are going to get the message out to our world. First of all, it's going to take boldness. And I mentioned this to you in last week's sermon, the the need for boldness. All of us need boldness. Verse 8 says, And he, the he is Paul, he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months. I looked the word boldly up in the original language, and this is what it means. To be frank in utterance. To be confident in spirit and demeanor. To speak freely. Now, I'm thinking about this, this idea of boldness. So there are so many people today in this world that we live in who have a lot of boldness. The gay rights people speak boldly about what they think, don't they? The the people who are pro-abortion, they speak Boldly about what they think. The animal rights people are bold about what they think. And they are not afraid. They are not intimidated to speak forth their mind. Why is it that we as Christians often feel timid or hesitant about speaking up to others? Think about it. We have the truth. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have the power of God promised to us. If He can raise the dead and if He can calm the stormy sea and if He can divide the waters of the Red Sea and hold them in place long enough for His people to walk through on dry ground, if God can cause the sun to stand still in the sky long enough that Israel can win a battle, if God can give sight to the blind and raise the lame to walk again, if he can do all of that, it is not a challenge for him to give to us the boldness that we need. And so how does one get boldness? Scripture is very clear, just ask for it. You ask Him for it. In Acts 4, the early church prayed to God for boldness. And verse 31 says, The place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness. And so the first thing that we need to do if we want boldness is to simply ask God for it. And then we need to trust God that He will give to us that boldness at the very moment that we need it. And that He will lead us in what to say. He will not fail us. He gave to Peter boldness. When before, he was afraid to confess to a servant girl that he even knew Jesus. And yet, after the resurrection, Peter is the one who stands up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches to a crowd of several thousand people and he tells them that the one whom they had killed was none other than the Son of God. God gave Peter boldness. He'll give to us boldness if we ask Him for it. I want to tell you about a situation just recently I had with uh, conversing with a person. I, I was visiting with a fella, and, and this person kept saying in our dialogue with one another, he kept saying, well, my opinion, my opinion is this, and I think this, and I, and I think that. And, and I have to be honest with you, a lot of what he was saying was his opinion was not in accordance with this book. But he was basing his stance on his opinion. And so in this conversation, I just got to a point where I'd heard his opinion so much, I finally said to him, hey, let me me help you understand this. It does not matter what you think. And, it, and I continued with that line. I said, it doesn't matter what I think. And it does not matter what community Christian church thinks. And so, I, I've got his attention. <laughs> I said, what matters is what's in this book and what does God say. And we, we had a good conversation with one another. But I have to tell you, that wasn't me. <laughs> I'm, that was God speaking through me, giving to me the boldness that I needed to speak the truth to Him. And we did. We had a a good conversation with one another. He took what I said to him just fine. And maybe the Lord will use that to touch his heart. I I don't know. Maybe for for each of us last week who were involved in the Love Does Day uh, activities, it took some boldness on our part to approach our neighbor and say to them, "I, I want to help you. I want to show some love to you. I know when I dialed the phone to my neighbor and I was going to ask her if I could wash her windows, it took some boldness for me to do that. But God gave me the boldness at the moment that I needed it. And he'll do the same for each and every one of us. If you ask him for boldness, he will give it to you at the moment that you need it. And believe me, if we are going to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, we need boldness. How about this? If we're going to reach the world with Jesus, and I see this in chapter 19, I see them Preaching and teaching the Word of God. Verse 9, it says, Paul was reasoning daily with them in the school of Tyrannus. This was going on for two years, it says in the text. Verse 10, it says, All who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Verse 20 says, So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Paul was was preaching God's Word to them, and God's Word does not return void unto us, it will accomplish that which He desires for it to do. That's the promise. It's an amazing promise that Isaiah gives to us. And what that's saying is simply this. God's Word works. If we'll present it to people. I think, though, so often, we we fall short in presenting the Word of God to people. You know what we do? We leave the sword in the sheath. And the sword in the sheath accomplishes nothing. It, it doesn't do its intended work if the sword is left in the sheath. This afternoon, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I hope that you will come uh, guys and gals, too, were having a, a, a clay pigeon shoot at Gene Winters' house at 2.30. I'm wondering what kind of a clay pigeon shoot we would have if all of us who came just left our shotguns in the, in the case. Well, we wouldn't have much of a clay pigeon shoot at all if we just left them in the case. In order to shoot the clay pigeons, you got to get the gun out of the case, and you got you to aim it, and you got to shoot it. And, and I hope you're understanding where I'm going with this. If if we will get the the sword out of the sheath and use it, it will be effective. But if we leave the sword in the sheath, if we leave the gun in the case, so to speak. We will be ineffective. But this book, if we'll use it, it works. It's powerful. It's sharp. It's alive. It's convicting. It's piercing. It's like a hammer, Jeremiah said. Able to crush the hardest of hearts. If, if we're going to use this book to help other people then that means that we're going to have to be a good student of the book ourselves. Are you a good student of the book? Are you trying to improve yourself in knowing the Word of God? I hope that you are. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who handles accurately, the word of truth. This book has the answer to people's problems. This book can give to us wisdom. It can give to us comfort. This book, according to James, can save us. If you want people to know Jesus, if you want to reach them for Jesus, then you have to speak to them the word of truth. Now keep in mind what we're talking about today. We're talking how how can we reach the world? How can we reach our world for Jesus? We need boldness. We need to speak the truth of God's word to them. And thirdly, from Acts 19, I see that they were not intimidated or derailed by hardship. Verse 9 says that some were not so compliant with what was being said. Not everybody was on board with Paul and what he was saying and doing. According to that verse, there were some who were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way. Let me ask you, what do we sometimes do when people rise up against us because of our faith? If we're not careful, if we're not being filled with the Holy Spirit, we might find ourselves cowering. If there's opposition to our witness, if there's opposition to us, if we're not careful, we might find ourselves turning away and being quiet. I tried. I just, I I can't do this. They're not interested. I don't want to offend people. Paul wasn't that way. Paul did not lose his courage. Now, he did change his strategy. And we talked about that several times over these last few chapters of Acts. There were times that when people rose up against him and they wanted to kill him, they wanted to, to silence him, there were times that he would turn away from those who were hardened against the gospel and he would go to somebody else who's more interested in hearing and that was just using good common sense. That was using wisdom that God had given to him. In this particular chapter, uh, as people are rising up against him, he's in the synagogue for three months preaching to them and, and there's this opposition growing. It says that he took, he left the synagogue and he went to the school of Tyrannus and he gathered people there who were interested in hearing. And for two years, he taught them every day the good news of the gospel. And so he changed his strategy. Other times in Acts, we see him moving from one town to another town. He's finding people who are interested in the gospel. When there's opposition, he's not being derailed. He's not... He's not being set back. He's just right on preaching. Right on sharing Jesus. In in verses 23 and following of this chapter, there's more hardship that develops. In fact, before the chapter closes... There's a riot that has started and Christians are getting beat up and accusations are being made that, that people's business of, of, uh, of making idols are having their prophets cut into because Paul's preaching the gospel. It was a very dangerous situation for Paul and the others who were in the middle of that. But you, you see here, they don't stop preaching just because there's a riot. Now, again, they may go somewhere else. But they don't stop preaching. And I want to encourage you today, and I'm speaking to, to me first, before I say it even to you, don't let hardship or people's opposition derail you from speaking the truth about Jesus. Now, maybe we change our audience you've got somebody across the backyard fence that just is not interested at all, or somebody at school, somebody at work, that you've tried to talk to them about Jesus, and they're like this, they are not interested, then maybe you let them go for a while, and just give them to God, and you pray to God about them, and you try to find somebody else who has an ear to what you're saying. But don't let one person or two or three people's opposition to you stop you or discourage you from preaching the gospel. Paul said in Hebrews twelve, four, Most of us have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. <laughs> yeah, that's boy, is that the truth. I've not. I've not lost any blood. Over the gospel. I'm assuming that would be true for most of you here today. You've not shed blood. Over sharing the gospel with people. And so. Let's just keep on. Keeping on. In sharing the good news. With people. Let me give to you two more. Pieces. Pieces. Of this formula in chapter 19. The fourth one would be this. They magnified the name of Jesus. Interesting story here in the middle of this chapter. You really ought to read chapter 19. There are so many different components in this particular chapter. One of the most interesting is in the middle of the chapter. There are seven Jewish exorcists. They're all brothers. And they have seen Paul casting out demons by the name of Jesus. And so they decide that they would like to try and cast out demons by using Jesus' name. Almost like it's a magic lamp that you rub. Just Just say the name of Jesus and we'll be successful at casting the demons out. And so they cross paths with a fellow who is demon-possessed. And all seven of these brothers, they're Jewish guys. They are not followers of Jesus Christ. They are simply using his name. And they say to this fellow who's demon-possessed, In the name of Jesus, come out of him. You remember what happened? The demon spoke. The demon spoke back to these seven guys. And he, the demon said, I know who Jesus is, and I know who Paul is, but I don't know who you guys are. And all of a sudden, this fellow who has these this demon inside of him, he gets up, and he runs over, and he kicks the booties of these seven uh, brothers, I mean, he kicks them up one side and down the other, and they run out of the house naked, the Scripture says, and wounded. Think that caused some talk down at the coffee shop the next morning? I'd say so. I'd say so. Verse 17 says... This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Could I encourage you to magnify the name of Jesus? What's that mean to you? When I say you need to magnify the name of Jesus, what am I saying? Yeah, to lift him up. You get a magnifying glass. You put the spotlight on that piece that you're trying to see. And it makes it a whole lot bigger. And that's what these people were doing with the name of Jesus. They were magnifying the name of Jesus to those whom they were around. They weren't magnifying their own name. I want to encourage you. When you speak to people of the good news magnify the name of Jesus more so than what you magnify the name of Community Christian Church Community Christian Church didn't die for anybody Community Christian Church can't save anybody but Jesus can and so magnify the name of Jesus to those people because you know Jesus saves. Amen? Amen. Jesus gives hope. Jesus gives life. Would you say His name with me? Jesus. Let's say it together. Jesus. Magnify the name of Jesus. And that will get... That will get the message... More deeply into the heart of lost people if you will magnify his name. And finally, this formula that I see in chapter 19 of how to win the world is true repentance with stressed and practiced. Let me read to you three verses from chapter 19, verses 18 through 20. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Do you think that caused a stir in the city of Ephesus when all of these folks began? They had a big bonfire, and the word gets around that people who have been practicing magic and sorcery, that they have brought their books and they have burned them, and they have changed their allegiance from the one of darkness to the one who is the light. Yeah, I can, I can assure you that made quite a stir around the whole city of Ephesus. When repentance is stressed and the church gets serious about repentance, the world will take notice. Because so often, and you've heard this, you've heard this, what the the world's, one of the, their main excuses is that is the christians <laughs> they're they're too much like the world they say one thing they're they're living differently they live just like there's no difference That's one of their excuses. That's one of the reasons they aren't interested in the gospel. And so when the church gets serious about repentance and they truly make changes and they truly start looking differently and talking differently and acting differently than how the world is, that's going to get the world's attention. And so could I challenge you to repent, seriously, to repent of your sins and to leave them behind. Leave behind the bad habits. Leave behind the addictions. Let go of your your bitterness. Let go of your selfishness and start loving people and start giving to people. And start being Jesus to people. And when we all together as the church really get serious about repentance. It opens the door wide for the gospel. To make a difference. I'm sure there's so many other things we could add to this list. But this is what we find in Acts chapter 19. I'd like for that list to just go on the board and would you just quietly in prayer and meditation think about these things in your life. Help me to be bold. Help me, Lord, to be a better student of your word and to share it. Give me a focus to preach that message of Jesus, not be derailed or discouraged, to magnify your name. God, I repent. I truly repent. I want to be different. Would you pray? Bow your head. think about these things for your life and you feel free to look at the screen and just pray silently I guess the question would be simply this. Will you take the Great Commission seriously? Will you seek to win your world for Jesus? Let me pray. Our praise band will come. God, help us. Help us to know that this challenge to take the world For Jesus is not just for Paul, it's not just for the missionaries like David Livingston, it's not just for preachers, it's for all of us. All of us working together. So help us please. May we reach our world for Jesus. It's in his name we pray.